With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. All right, people, we are live, or I am live. I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Paul Dennett, any minute, but what an exciting day. We've been delayed a few times. I thought I'd jump on and warm the crowd up. Um, I don't think there's a crowd actually watching yet, so uh, there's no one to warm up. But uh, what a day for Australia. They retained the Ashes before lunch on the third day of the Boxing Day Test match. Quite an incredible victory for Australia, one that will go down in history as one of the more embarrassing days for English cricket. Boy, uh, just uh, just jubilation in Australia, and already you can see the knives are out in England. It's You can't imagine Chris Silver would lasting for very long. Uh, Joe Roots had a shocker. I mean... I think tactically and, and his leadership-wise has had a shocker. I, don't, I just don't know what they were thinking for most of this series. Um, but, yeah, when Paul and I recorded last night, I said that if a wicket went early this morning, I thought England could fall pretty quickly, and boy, did they. And there are so many stats. You could do a whole show just on the stats from today of how bad England were and how good Australia was. Um yeah, just a t- terrific day for Australia, um, 3-0 up in the series. Uh, there's a lot of comments here saying, you know, will it be 5-0? And it's, it's hard to imagine anything but that. Uh, but you never know in cricket. We saw England bounce back um, when Australia was in England last time and uh, salvaged the series to all England did. I can't see them bouncing back in this series, but quite incredible. Um, Boland, 6 for 7 on debut. What a start to him in te- for him in Test cricket. Some people said, um, you know, I was, wasn't a fan of his selection. Well, I certainly wasn't a fan of Doug Bollinger selecting him um, in the team when he wasn't in the squad. 
Um, but here's my co-host, Paul Dennett. What a day, Paul. Um, you've been living your best life, Australian style at a barbecue. You know, what a way to celebrate the ashes, you know, a few tinnies maybe, snag. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Can you hear me, first of all? Oh, I can hear you fine. Perfect. Fantastic. You no, yeah, I have been. I mean, unfortunately, the, the barbecue was booked in about four weeks ago, so I can't say that it was an impromptu celebration of the of the marvellous <laughs> victory today. But we certainly did have a few snags and a few tinnies and just arrived home now. Um, uh, and, you know, I've been so keen for this to be a contest, but now that it's not, I'm glorying in it. And I think uh, I'm, I'm with you. I want it to be 5-0 now. I want it to be an absolute whitewash and... Today, as the wickets went down, once it became inevitable, which was pretty, you know, it was pretty much inevitable before the day began. But once Root was out, um, after Stokes had been out, then it was just a celebration. And, um, yeah, it was a great day. And, you know, as we've as we've discussed before, England have been so bad for so long in this country. Uh, what's going on? Absolutely. And it was such a sort of short day that there's not a lot of cr- cricket to talk about. Um, but can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. I can. Good, 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 good. Oh, yeah, so, you know, England all out for 68. Uh, Australia win by an innings and 14 runs. Stark, three for 29. Boland, six for seven. Green sealed the deal, taking the last wicket. And and it was like, you know, I said to you last night, Paul, if they lost an early wicket and when Stokes was bowled by Stark, after that it was just a procession. And, uh, yeah, all gone for 68 um, Boland, that was the quickest Ashes fiver, taking Stuart Broad's record of 19 balls. So Boland got his Ashes five wicket haul in 15 deliveries, and Broad on that infamous day in Trampbridge got it in 19 deliveries. So, um, yeah, incredible. The, sh- the, the shortest test match in 70 years um, it, in Australia, I think, and the lowest score in 75 years to win by an innings. Can you still hear me? Yeah, why? Uh, yeah, my, my microphone's not working, but... um, You sound great. Working. Thank it you, matter. thank you. Uh, so, yeah, what, what did you think? What did you think of the play this morning? I mean, that was amazing by Boland. Six for seven, wins the Johnny Muller Award. Incredible. I'm really pleased that I didn't send the tweet that I was going to send before the match, and that was to say I didn't think that Boland was the right person to be picked. I'm very... um. I'm very pleased that I um, <laughs> kept that in my drafts and didn't send it out there. Uh, I, you know, uh, apparently I, I didn't realize this, but that not only was Richardson slightly um, lame, or well, lame's too strong a term, but had a, a slight niggle after that second test match, but so did Nisa as well. Given that's the case, then uh, in hindsight, I've got no problem with, with Boland being picked, obviously. And it was just, it was just joyous. It was wonderful. Um, I think it was before one of the Sheffield Shield games, one of the first Shield games that I did with you that um, Boland was playing. And I did quite a lot of research and read about. Um, him and his brother and the recreation of the recreation of the, the 1868 um, Indigenous Australian tour of England. And so I felt like, you know, I got to know him a little bit and he's such a likable guy. What, a, you know, what a moment. We, we talked about it yesterday, but to come back this morning and as the, the crowd was growing so rapidly that it was 26,000 when, when play began it was 41,000 by the time that the, you know, the, the final count. So uh, a tremendous occasion and, uh, you know, a tremendous celebration of Australian cricket. Absolutely. So it was the eighth lowest total in Ashes tests and the lowest since the English were bowled out for 67 at Leeds in the 2019 Ashes. This is all courtesy of Rick Finlay. 
And it's the, the second innings total was also England's lowest total at the MCG in 111 years with the lowest four scores coming between 1887 and 1904. Wow. So that was just so humiliatingly bad. I mean, what a tallying up for the Poms. I mean, it, just not even a, a whimper, not even a fight. They bowled well yesterday, but, I mean, anyone could have bowled well on that pitch. You, you could have bowled a few seam up and been dangerous. Um, and then and then they go out today and just get rolled a, a shocker. Yeah, I mean, I find it very – I'm not sure where I feel about the post-mortems that are occurring in England. And there's all this talk of there's there's too much coaching, there's not enough coaching, they don't play straight enough, that their, their coaches uh, don't get involved as often a, enough, there's too much of a laissez-faire attitude, that the county season has been relegated to the fringes of the season, that – Rather than playing on decent wickets during the middle of the season, they're playing in May and June when it's um, moving all over the shop, and then at the end of the season, and blah blah blah. And I just wonder, is it this is just maybe potentially this is where England is at? I mean, they are a nation of fifty million people, which cricket is a sport that has been dwindling in popularity for decades, ever since two thousand and five, and it stopped being on free to air TV. I just don't think talented kids are you know, potentially playing the game in, in great numbers. Um, maybe this is situation normal for England. If you take out, as we often talk about, that 2010-11 series, this is, the, by and large, exactly how bad England have been since, um, um, you know, the last time they won before that was 1986-87. They've consistently been in Australia and have been destroyed. We Take again out that 2010-11 series, um, every series this century, they've lost the first three test matches of the Ashes in Australia. So it's not that surprising. What was the tweet you sent out? Is this your stat of the day, um, tests in Australia since 1990? Yeah, I think it was 36-5 um, that Australia have won versus England. I think, I think that's right. I think it's... 31-6? Um, so, yeah, but that might be it as well. <laughs> we <laughs> I've had one or two quiet beers today. Um, so it was... Um, 1991, 3-0, 94-5, 3-1, 98-9, 3-1, 0-2-3, 4-1, 0-6-7-5-0, 10-11-1-3, 13-14-5-0, 7-8-8-4-0, and now this series, 3-0 and 2 to play. So add those up, and it's a, a it's a colossal destruction. And Australia in England in that same period, um, there's nowhere near, I mean, um, off the top of my head, it would probably be almost tied in that same period. If not, Australia probably slightly in front. Well, we've never gone there and had a drubbing. So, I mean, I want to unpack a lot. So, firstly, look, apart from the systemic problems in England, and uh, Joe Root was asked about that at the press conference after, and he said, look, that's for a longer discussion. And I agree. But I think um, Chris Silverwood has to go as the yep. coach and selector because basically England have got every team selection wrong and they've got their tactics wrong. So uh, you can't blame Root for all of that if you're going to have a coach selector. Um, so Silverwood has to go. Root uh, stays in. I mean, you look at, say, Stuart Broad. He hasn't played in the first test on a spicy wicket. He plays on the flat deck in Adelaide. He doesn't play yeah. on this track that's moving around, although I don't think they should have played him because he was rude to a skipper. But then what were they saving him for? So they're 3-0 down and they've got Broad fresh for two dead rubbers. I mean, it's quite incredible. The ideal thing would be, as I said, maybe maybe Silverwood doesn't understand that Leach and Broad are the opposite people to who they think they are. <laughs> if we get a real Bunsen burner in Sydney and they play Broad on that when they should have played Leach, it would be perfect. It'll be, you know, four matches in a row that they've got it wrong. But I agree with you. I, I can't see 
how Silverwood can survive this series. And he's never really impressed me whenever I've, I don't know him greatly, but every interview I've seen with him, he doesn't really strike me as someone who is a, a really shrewd operator. Uh, you know, I think there's someone like Michael Vaughan. Um, he, he's someone who's, I think, preaches a good orthodoxy in terms of a bit of like an Ian Chappell uh, way of thinking. I could, they could do a lot worse than get someone like Michael Vaughan involved in their setup. He's probably too smart to take the job. Um, and, and look, you, you talked about, um, you know, Australia and England. So Australia's actually been very competitive when we go to England. 05 went down to the wire. 09 went down to the last test. Um, 2013 was probably the one where England uh, looked from um, start to finish like they were going to win. 2015 uh, goes into the fourth test locked until we get bowled out for not many. And then the last series is two all. So, you know, People are saying that they should cut the the ashes when England come here. Have got a point because it's always three nil, and Australia don't roll over like uh, England do when we go there. Well, not to mention if we're going to be fair and compare from nineteen ninety onwards, ninety three Australia won four one, and ninety seven mm. they won three two, and two thousand one Australia won four um, one in England. The only time we've had a blowout in England was two thousand and thirteen. We lost 3-0. The two drawn test matches, Australia was dominating if it wasn't for the rain. And the first test match, we we lost by 14 runs in a thriller at Trent Bridge. So I think that 3-0 score, and at the time, I predicted Australia would win the Ashes in the in the return bout in Australia, and everyone was laughing at me, and they proceeded to win them 5-0. So I, I think that showed that 3-0 slightly flattered England in, in, that, in that 2013 series. So, yes, um, it's disappointing because f- for all of that, the Ashes is still the series that I get up for most. And um, uh, as much as I want Australia to win, it wouldn't have been too much of a disappointment for me today had England really fought, fought ahead and somehow managed to win this series because I love the Ashes so much I want it to be a contest. And it's a it's a great disappointment to have to be talking about, oh, you know, do England even deserve to get a five-test match series in Australia? Yeah. I mean, i got to say, like, now that I'm in the moment – I enjoyed this feeling of jubilation of just yeah. embarrassing the palms because some of them just drive me nuts um, as people. Just so I like to humiliate them on the cricket field, but obviously, can I, can I obviously, I would enjoy a very close series as well. What? I, I don't understand. You, you married some from someone from England. I, yeah. Every person I've met from England, I've liked. There must be some. People from England you're meeting that I've never met, but um, I, yeah, I mean, I there's no definitely problem. some nice ones. There's definitely some nice ones. Just, <laughs> they're all nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, so I'm enjoying. Uh, look, Australia have been so good. I was trying to, th- you know, think about what Australia have done well in this series to be so convincing. I mean, you look at Pat Cummins. He's an Ashes winning skipper, and he's he's played about what six and a half days of cricket. Uh, you know, he had he had the game in between off and let his vice captain do the job. Um, but you know, our bowling has been just next level. Cummins is bowling better than ever. Stark's having his best summer in a few years. He's bowling real heat and quality. And then you know, Hazelwood, uh, Richardson um, bowl, and they're all having their days out. Um, it's just an incredible bowling performance, and the batters have done enough in the big moments. And we've caught. Um almost everything that's come our way, not everything, but almost everything, uh, far better fielding performance than, than England has put in as well. And I mean, I think it just underlines as well that fundamentally this Australian side, especially in Australian conditions, player for player, is a better side than England. I said it at the start that if I had to pick the best batter across both sides, I would probably pick Root. 
But if I had to pick the next um, half dozen or so, just about, I'm, I'm talking, you know, Smith and Labashain and Warner. And even after those lot, um, I'm probably going, I mean, Green didn't play that well. You'd, pick, year, Root, you'd pick Root above Smith. Well, that's not my point. My point is okay, saying just, just you, could make, you could make the argument that you pick Root above Smith, but you certainly yeah. would say that yeah. in the top six or so, it's Root mm. and the rest of them are Australians, that Travis yeah. Head has um, uh, worked his way into it in this series as well. Uh, so that who outside of Root in the English batting really threatens? Milan has played pretty well. Stokes has been disappointing, has been largely so defensive. I talked yesterday about his strike rate being... 29 for the series so far. He played a couple of positive shots this morning and then was undone by an unplayable ball. But, you know, um, other than that, they're all they're all modest players. They're okay. But, you know, they don't really instill fear into the opposition. Was the pitch too lively, do you think? I would say slightly too lively, but I would rather this pitch a billion times than the 2017-18 job. So I'd say that in terms of 2017-18, it was a disgrace. This pitch, maybe they've overcorrected 5%. They left 1.1 centimetres of grass on there. I would say if they're going to produce another pitch um, uh, for the next Ashes, do everything they did with this pitch, but maybe leave, I don't know, 0.9 centimetres of grass on there. I I think they were pretty close to getting it right. And I, I have no real complaints about the pitch. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I'd rather them leave a, a little bit too much on it and bring our bowlers right. into it than not. Um, all right, I've got my Good Day, Bad Day awards. So Good Day awards, I've got a couple. Firstly, all of Australia. Just we, the, the day you seal the ashes is a joyous day, even though it was probably sealed at the, at the Gabba when Joe Root won the toss and elected to bat. Um, still, when it's actually signed, sealed and delivered and, you know, you get all the, the, the closet cricket fans coming out, um, you know, a lot of people have been waiting for this podcast because they want to hear us uh, revel in the wind. So, yeah, great day for Australia, good day for Australia. And the other one is the SCG test. Uh, it appears that they're going to forge ahead, that um, they're still coming to Sydney, that Perite is going to relax some some of the conditions. So, um, yep, they're coming. So that's good, even though it's going to be a dead rubber again. Uh, apparently the Ashes hasn't been a has been a, not been a dead rubber at the SCG since ninety four ninety five. So I was at that um, test. It was a, it was the one test where England almost won. There's a draw right at the end. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been some, a long time. Well, who? Which couple of batters just batted that out? Tim May or or someone? Um, Johnny? Was it John Embry bowling? I think Probably it was, was. Embry bowling. Yeah. Um, anyway, I watched the highlights only a month or two ago, but yeah, I've forgotten the exact details. But it, so it that's never my really felt like England was going to win, although they got no close. Yeah, uh, so good day, SCG, good day, Australia. Bad day, well, I'm going to give Malcolm Connor a bad day award. And a uh, great bloke, terrific journalist, one of my favourites. But uh, he asked Pat Cummins a question at, at the press conference. You know, would you um, endorse Justin Langer now to oh, carry on? Oh, well, 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 let me, let me. He said, would you endorse Justin Langer <laughs> to carry on as coach? And Pat Cummins, because he's a nice guy, didn't say no comment. He said, look, I don't think today is the day for that discussion, right, because he wanted to put it off, right? And then I go and read Con. His his headline and first line is, Australian captain Pat Cummins has failed to endorse a contract extension for head coach Justin Langer. But I was listening to the conference live, and my impression was it was an elaborate no comment 
from Cummins. I don't think Con has really captured it. And I think it's a bit of a – it's unfair on Cummins because Cummins is precisely wants to avoid this thing. He's, he doesn't want to say, yes, he should stay, and he doesn't want to say, no, he shouldn't because then, you know, there'll be a headline either way. He just basically said no comment, and Con swung it to be he's failed to endorse him. But, um, you know, I would have um, – I just think it, mis, it misreads the – the tone of the discussion and, um, you know, Langer's on sure footing now. He's won the World Cup. He's drubbed England 3-0. You'd think they'd give him another couple of years in the job. No, this – I thought we'd got – I thought we'd got past this, men, as you're cheerleading for, for Justin <laughs> Lane. You've got to be dispassionate. You've got to be objective about it. Look at the results. Now, <laughs> look, at, look at the results. What would, what would Cummins have said if the question had been – do you think that David Warner should continue at the top of the order? Do you think that Alex Carey should continue as the Australian wicketkeeper? Um, do you think that the MCG should continue to be a venue for test matches in Australia? All three of them, he would have said, of course, absolutely. He would have said, I'm not a selector. That's what he no, would have he said. That's if he said, do you think that David Warner should continue at the top of the order? Of course he would have said yes. The no. fact that he said no, that he said no comment, um, is a story. And uh, I, I disagree totally. No, no, no. He had to say something. He's he's not the person choosing it. They should have said to him in advance. Listen, if you get any questions about Langer, feel free to endorse him fully. Cummins is an intelligent individual. He has been dealing with the media for a decade. He has more media experience than you and me put together and squared. Mm. He would have known what his comments met had he really believed in langer he would have quite easily said yeah i'd love them to give jail another mm -hmm. four years and if they then didn't give jail another four years that's fine he doesn't make the decision right. the fact that he was equivocal can only be interpreted the way that con said and well i want you i want you to listen to the tape and let me know tomorrow because i don't think it represents it um anyway um, all righty, so that was my good day, bad day. Um, Langer has to stay now. Uh, no, I don't think yeah, it has to. I think maybe you could say to Langer, if you're going to stay, um, Trevor Bayliss is going to take the T20 side. That's the conditions. You stay and run the whole show, but Bayliss is on the ground with the T20 side. That's fine. But, I mean, he's just won a T20 World Cup. You know, you seem like a bit of an idiot doing that as well. No, look, I'm not saying that Langer needs to go, but I, I think that... They should choose whether he stays or not um, based on more than just the last couple of months. And, yes, it's absolutely fantastic that Australia won the T20 World Cup and it's absolutely fantastic that we have won the Ashes. And that is immensely to Langer's credit and maybe he should stay. But they've also got to look at it that for a sizable period of the time, there were strong problems in the dressing room. And now if those problems still exist or residual problems exist, then they've got to have a question mark. And we've both spoken about it before. And, and you've been saying it very strongly that probably four years is about the length of time someone should be the national coach. So I'm not saying that Langer has to go, but I'm inclined to think that maybe come June next year, it's time to say, on the whole, you've done a good job. Um, but, you know, we think four years is about the, the length of time for someone to be the national coach. And it hasn't been without incident. And it's time to move on. And, I, you know, I don't think that these last few results change that. Well, 
certainly going to be sorted out at the end of this summer because his contract's up in a few months. Any other takeaways from today? I mean, what, 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 yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, great day. MCG has lived up to its billing, even, even in COVID times when the Barmy Army wasn't there largely. Um, lots of people would have been reluctant to head to the ground. Not many interstate travellers, et cetera, et cetera. Yet they still got, was it 57,000 and then a couple of days of 40,000. The atmosphere at the end of day two, the atmosphere today was superb. Um, you know, uh, credit to, to the people of Melbourne and um, a wonderful test match. And as I said, the pitch, not perfect, but a damn sight better than it was four years ago. So a uh, big pass mark to, to Melbourne. Yeah. What, why do you think we, or especially me, I gave England a bit of a sniff in this series. Why do you think we gave them a sniff and then it just, it was just so, so far from that? Well, I mean, I gave them a sniff as well. And I, I think it's just that um, they didn't take the opportunities that they had. I, I still think that if they had won the toss, bowled first in Brisbane with Stuart Broad in the side and had bothered to spend one of their 14 days in quarantine practicing not to bowl no balls, they quite conceivably could have won the first test. It would not at all have surprised me. And I think I think they probably would have won the first test if they had done those things. In the second and third test, um, Australia won the toss in both instances. It wasn't match decisive winning them, but there are two um, good tosses to win. And I think Australia are a better side. And so, you know, you squat, effectively Australia got the best of conditions in all three test matches and they are a better side. So, you know, you look back and I think it's not a surprise at all that they that they won 3-0. Had England, um, uh, let's say it went the other way, if um, England had bowled first in Brisbane and then the toss had gone the other way in tests two and three, it might be a lot closer. And we might right, be, right now be saying, yeah, but it was right. England were um, really competitive and we're, we're, we're in the midst of a very exciting Ashes series. Yeah, it's true. And I look... I think Australia, um, obviously, when they get their nose in front at home, they're hard to stop. And uh, this team looks really happy under the Cummins-Smith dynamic. I don't know. That's no slight on pain. Maybe it's just because Cummins is just, you know, so likeable that he, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. So I think the team's happy. But um, generally, I think, um, you know, it looks like a happy team. Happy teams usually play better. And I think – that. It puzzles me when a lot of people from England say, oh, this Australian side's not very good. Because I think that aside from a couple of positions, you could say, that you know, the other opening spot still up for grabs. Uh, number five, I think Travis Head has played very well in this series, but, you know, he's not necessarily at the class of the others. Number six, Green has enormous potential that has yet to be completely fulfilled. But that aside, uh, you'd say one through 11 this side compares favourably with most Australian sides of my lifetime. It's not as good as the absolute brilliant sides of the late 90s and the early 2000s, but compared to the rest of the sides, you know, the early 90s side that was a very good side, I think this side is very similar to that in standard. So it's not a great side, but I'll tell you what, it wouldn't surprise me in a couple of years or three years if it was regarded as a great side. Definitely. They're on their way to being one for sure. Uh, Marcus Harris, Terrific innings. That innings obviously um, looks better in the context of the uh, the the other runs that were scored in the game. I still I still think he needs another score. I think he's got the rest of the series, but I, I don't. I think he needs another score in the next two Test matches. A hundred would be ideal, but I don't think he's quite nailed the spot yet. What I think they really should do is that um, as soon as this series is over, 
prior to the tour of Pakistan, if he's going to be on there as the opener, they should get Matthew Hayden to do exactly what Matthew Hayden did um, prior to his tour of India in 2001 and give him an intensive period of training on um, spinning pitches. Because at the moment, I fear for him on spinning pitches. I think he could struggle. But look, if he's going to be there, then they should pull out all pull out all the stops and really give him every chance to succeed on those turning wickets of the subcontinent. Yeah, agree. And love it when Green got the last wicket. But let's take some questions. We've got four. Um, all right. Jose Down Under. Should the Ashes be reduced to four tests and add one more test to the Border Gavaskar Trophy? Paul, do you like Jose's suggestion? I like the second half of it. I definitely think the Border Gavaskar Trophy should be five tests. Um, absolutely. Um, but I... I'm not at all in favour of reducing any Ashes tests. Um, as I said, I'd, I'd be more than happy for the Ashes test to go to, to six tests, as I'd be happy for the Borders Gavaskar Trophy to go to six tests. So I think that the Ashes is one of these series that is timeless, and even if one side is dominating, it's still wonderful, and it's still my favourite thing. Border Gavaskar is getting very close, um, and I love them both, and I, I'd, I'd love to see both of them expanded. What about um, Ray Illingworth, who just passed passed away? He came here in, what, 70-71, and they won the Ashes 2-0 in a seven-test series with five draws. I mean, that would be, be fun in these days because 7-0 would have a nice ring to it. Um, well, we would have been hard-pressed to win at 7-0 because one of them was rained out. Yeah, um, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. I mean, Illingworth's... Um, sad that he has died because uh apart from anything else that that's a relatively rare win for england um in australia they won again at the end of the decade in 78 9 when australia had all of their best side missing due to world series cricket and subsequent to that they've only won twice so illingworth is still the fourth most recent captain to win a series in australia i've read a lot about that 70 71 series and what it you know really reminds me of is how lucky we are to be with the cricket we have now, because that cricket in that series was deadly, deadly dull. Anyone who came from then and watched the cricket now would think, oh, it's so much better. And, you know, people complained about the the rise of one-day cricket and T20 cricket. It has made test cricket infinitely more watchable. All right. Yeah, I was uh, – yeah, go on, go on. No, you go. Go. I was just going to yeah. say, I looked at Illingworth's stats and I thought, boy, Paul would tear these stats to shreds. I mean, he was – he was certainly he, he was a little bit better than Brearley in terms of a, a captain who didn't do much, but uh, he, you know his bowling strike rate was a hundred. He averaged twenty with the bat. You know he was a serviceable cricketer, but his leadership was obviously his drawing, you know, yeah. strong point. You know you can't complain with the you know he, he got the results. Um, yeah, Brewer seventy four. Just, just slag off the dead. Recently d- departed. Good on me. Go on. <laughs> Does this performance now put Boland ahead of Nisa and Richardson in the pecking order? I don't know, actually. It's a really good question. Uh, a few points. Firstly, the fact that this match finished after three days gives them a lot of uh, recovery time for the bowlers, any niggles. So you can imagine Stark, Cummins, they could all be available for the next test, Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood. Um, so uh, that's the first thing. Uh, you know, People have sort of p- 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 played out a scenario where um, you know, this could be Boland's last test. I mean, yeah. you know, so Hazelwood comes back for the next test and they go with come and Stark Hazelwood. If they're all fit, why not? Happens again the fifth test, they're all fit. You know, they're hardly bowling. I mean, three-day test, they could pick them all. And then 
you know, who knows what happens? Australia goes to the subcontinent. Um, and then, you know, Boland, whatever. So Boland could never play another test. But I think I still say Richardson's ahead of Boland just because they really like Richardson's extra bit of pace. But I think in the right conditions, obviously, Boland's proven himself. Um, nice is unlucky. Come and said after the, the test that Nisa was basically just rested for this game. I mean, they they basically dropped him and brought in Boland for the conditions. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Boland's certainly there or thereabouts. Imagine if he gets dropped and years later, someone, oh, you played one test for Australia. Oh, you just, you found test cricket a bit, a bit above you, did you? How'd you go? Oh, you yeah, know, took six for seven. Um, yeah, that's, that was me, uh, six for seven, and they dropped me. Um, <laughs> in the second innings, uh, Boland's strike rate is the second best all time, a wicket every four balls. Incredible. Ernie Toshak had the best strike rate from 1947 when he took five for two in 2.3 eight ball overs. Um, you could have you could have a real stat off about this. I think you should just do a whole episode on the stats from today. Uh, just record it yourself and release it. I was reading about that Ernie Toshak spell uh, about a year ago, um, but I've forgotten everything about it. But I was reading about it. Um, yeah. Um, oh, look, I, I hope that it's not Boland's last Test match. Even though I said I didn't think that he should be picked, I hope that he does get an, another opportunity at, at Test level because it was, you know, he deserves it. Absolutely. Um, uh, Stephen Matlock, worse English side than 2006-07, as it's the same result midway through the Boxing Day test. I actually got this question on Twitter, um, and that the the question sort of compared the the clean sweep sides, the clean swept English sides, and this one. So 2021, 06, 7, 13, 14, and this one, and said which was the worst. 17, 18 as well. No, the, the question on Twitter didn't. Oh, that. clean sweep, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that could have been there as well. And I I thought about it. I, th- I think this probably one is slightly worse than those ones. I think that the 067 side was a better side than this one, but I do think this side is still a little bit better than some of the the worst English sides that we saw, sort of like the 93 4, um, sorry, 94 5, 90 91. I think that this side was a little bit. The Dad's Army sides that came out with like Eddie Hemmings trundling in off four paces. Yeah. Um, And then when um, Mike Gadding in 94 5 failed miserably, and then they had to pick him in the next test because they basically, everyone else was injured. And he got 100, but wasn't the most fluent of 100s. But still, you know, give him the credit for the getting the century. So I don't think it's the worst England side that's ever come here. But, um, gosh, if it comes away 5-0, it may well have the worst um, the worst reputation after it leaves. Yeah, because so my re- – I think this side is actually, you know, the 6 side, English side is much better, with mu- which makes their performance all the, the worse back then. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's like a race to the bottom. I mean, they're all shit. I mean, what do you want me to say, Stephen? They're all fucked, and I'm going to swear because it's late. So um, stuff it. Put your kids away. now. The only defence um, for that 06-07 side uh, in England is that the Australian side that they're up against is right up there with one of the great sides of all time. And this side isn't there yet and may never get there, but that 06-07 side is in the conversation with the, the you know, the, the West Indies side of the mid-'80s and the invincible side of Australia of 1948 and a few others maybe as as arguably the best side ever. So there's no shame to lose to that. Yeah, you could say, though, that the the main difference, though, is Warren. Like, Cummins is as good as McGrath. Uh, you know, Hazelwood's as good as whoever, you know, was it Stuart Clark, I think, was the other bowler who bowled really well that summer. Uh, but Warren's the big difference. You know, he's way better than the GOAT 
All right, your question. I think this batting side is the, the 067 batting side as well. Oh, yeah. Hayden, Langer, Hunter, Langer, um, yeah. Ponting, Hussey, uh, yeah. Clark, Martin for part of it, and you know um, Simons as well. With you know Simons a very good player. I think that's a better batting lineup than now. Although the top three that we've got now compare favourably with them. It's just it's sort of four, five, and six that maybe there's the, there's a little gap. And of course, Gilchrist, the greatest cricketer I've ever seen. True. So, I mean, this this side's trash. Then, I mean, Stephen, to answer your question, this side's probably worse because they're they're you know they've rolled over before lunch on the third day for sixty eight. So, yeah, terrible. I'm going to say they're worse. All right, your question, Jose Dununda. Do you think Mitch Swepson will play at the SCG? That's a good question. Yeah, Cummins mentioned his name a few times because he was asked about the team for the next test match. I think they'll certainly consider it. And Cummins was asked why, and he said, look, if we're going to the subcontinent next year, I'd like to get Swepson's debut out of the way here. And so when he goes, and I'm, you know, basically when we go there and I want him to win, it's not in his first test match. And uh, he said, you know, Cummins felt, felt that, you know, the first match is hard because there's nerves and pressure, so... Uh, so that's the reason they could do it. They haven't seen the pitch. They weren't equivocal in any way. Uh, but uh, Cameron Green does give them that, you know, really good option if they want to, you know, because they can pick two seamers, Green, who's bowling exceptionally, and then they've got uh, Lyon and um, potentially Swepson. I, I don't like that sort of argument that he wants to get his debut out of the way because he doesn't. I, I knew you wouldn't. That's... I knew you wouldn't. You think it's gobbledygook, don't you? Hocus yes. Pocus. The main reason I think it's gobbledygook and hocus pocus is, is that it's gobbledygook and hocus pocus. Like, um, you know, it's it's borderline superstition. Um, pick the best side. They, they should have one question for the SCG. Who are the best 11 to give us a chance of winning this test match? And, you know, who knows? England could win the last two test matches and then it'll put a very different complexion on the series. Australia obviously still have the ashes, but all the triumph and what everything would be dimmed down substantially. So don't muck around. Um, mm. Don't give, don't hand out debuts for some spurious reasoning, so that because he played a game in January, he'll therefore be better in July in Chennai. It's like, don't give me that. Yeah. All right. Good one. Well, um, I think if it's a spinning track, I'd love to see two spinners played. I just wanted to read this out, Joey Cozina. Can we get rid of England and just play an Australia v Australia A game for the last two? It would be more competitive. Uh, probably would be Joey. Probably would be, but the big bash is going on. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Anything you want to add, Paul, before we wrap this up? No, um, you know, um, triumphant day for all Australian fans. And um, as I said, it would have been great for England to make a, a great show of it, but given they didn't, well, just got to celebrate the Aussie success. Absolutely. Look, we'll be back to record something soon. Obviously, it's finished after three days, so you and I get the next two days off, Paul. Um, I budgeted for four days because um, you, you never expect the Poms to go five down under. Um, <laughs> I mean, admittedly, we don't go five in England very often either. So it's, um, but yeah, um, I'll, we'll catch up soon. See ya. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.